0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA odds maker, Nick Kalikas, and MMA journalist, Brian Heminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting.
1: MMAOddsBreaker.com.
0: Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 18 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 18 features a 13 fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a featherweight contest featuring Ode Osborne, Ode Osborne, who is eight and 8-3, and Jerome Rivera, who is ten and 10-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: As always, a couple quick shout-outs before we get going here. First off, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting are from MMAodsbreaker.com or opening betting odds article for UFC Vegas18 from Adam Martin. Make sure you head over to the site and check those out. Those are market opening prices. And the updated betting lines that I will be quoting are from Circus Sports here in Las Vegas and in Colorado. If you're in Colorado or in Nevada, make sure you get the Circus Sports betting app. It's the best in the business and you'll be able to bet on, obviously, these fights and many more. Speaking of which, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, Knuckle Mania, this weekend is featured at Circa Sports. You can check it out. The pay-per-view will be in Circa Las Vegas, aired live on those huge TV screens that we have there. And of course, betting available at Circus Sports as well. So quick shout out to uh, Circa for those. And if you're in town, definitely make it over to watch the Bare Knuckle Fights for this weekend. But Getting into this fight card for UFC this weekend should be a doozy. It's an amazing card. It should be fun from top to bottom. The first fight, as Brian mentioned, Osborne open minus 270. The comeback on Rivera plus 230. And right now over at Circus Sports, we have minus 220 for Osborne. The comeback on Rivera plus 190. Obviously, market-wide, Rivera plus 230 was a little bit too high. People gobbled up the value at the plus money. I mean, this guy is not a bad fighter. I understand he hasn't had that much success in the UFC, but overall, he is a very talented mixed martial artist. He's a solid fighter on the feet. He's got a better than... I think, getting credit for a ground game. I mean, this guy definitely can do some good things on the ground, especially offensively. Um, He's had some issues with takedown defense sometimes in the past and against better grapplers. Obviously, Nam was able to knock him out. So defensively, there is a bit of a concern for for Rivera. But offensively, man, this guy's legit, and he deserves to be on the roster here. And that's why they're giving him another shot against Osborne. Osborne's going to be a tough fight for him, though. I mean, obviously, Osborne, I think, is the better striker. He's going to be a little bit more explosive, a little bit faster. Offensively, Osborne has a really good ground game. It's developing all the time as well. So I, I just think he's kind of going to be a step ahead of Rivera. If Rivera wants to win this fight, I think he needs to get top position on the ground and maybe look for submission over Osborne, because if any weakness in Osborne's game, it's still that submission defense that he does have. But other than that, again, he's always improving. I think this is going to be a fun fight. I honestly would not lay Osborne at minus 220 right now. I would probably stay away. It's a dog or pass situation. I'm- not sure I could pull the trigger on Rivera personally, so it's probably stay away from fight in, in my opinion at this point, especially Rivera moving up a weight class um, or two, really. I mean, this is at featherweight. So and, you know, the late notice situation, even though he has been obviously in fight shape because he's had recent fights or whatnot. So I get he's probably going to be in better shape than most people think, but still the situation, I think it's stay away from it. I'm going to pick Osborne to win this fight, though.
0: And I'm going to go Osborne as well. Um, Rivera, we've seen him, uh, now twice in the octagon, uh, the first time getting knocked out, uh, and the second time, uh, most recently, uh, losing that decision to Figueredo just two weeks ago. So, uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, this is an extremely quick turnaround that he's making. And, uh, Rivera is moving up a weight class as well. So basically, you know, this fight's taking place at featherweight. Osborne typically is a Bantamweight. weight. Rivera typically is a flyweight. So um he's getting a very quick turnaround and jumping up against a bigger, stronger opponent. Um and for Rivera to win this fight, I think realistically, the only way he wins is by getting takedowns and out grappling Osborne, because I think historically Osborne has shown a little bit of weakness there. You saw that him getting submitted in his debut, but Brian Kelleher's a much better grappler than Rivera, and he's also a lot bigger. I mean, Kelleher can fight at 145. Uh, Rivera is fighting at 145 here, but he normally fights 20 pounds lighter. So, uh, I think Osborne should be able to fend those takedowns off, and Osborne also potentially could offensively grapple here against Rivera. Uh, he actually has, uh, some decent submission skills when he's on the offensive. Uh And then on the feet, Osborne should just be better than Rivera. So I think Osborne wins this on the feet and fends off Rivera's takedown attempts and maybe even winds up in top position on the ground at some point. So my pick is going to be Osborne to get the win. Now, sticking with the featherweight division, we have Timur Valiev, who is 16 and 2, taking on Martin Day, who is 8 and 5. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Valley of minus 410, Day plus 315. Right now over at Circus Sports, we have Valley of minus 365 to come back on Day plus 300. Early action coming in the dog day. Listen, Martin Day is a very talented fighter. I mean, again, another one of these guys that really hasn't got the respect he deserves. He's dangerous on the feet. I mean, he brings it every time he performs in the octagon or in MMA fights in general that you see. I mean, he shows up. And he fights really well. That game is where it's at, obviously. Very technical, long, always improving, has power, has accuracy, developing that ground game and the takedown defense. But unfortunately for him, I mean he's I mean, hasn't had that success in the UFC and now he's facing the best fighter that he's fought in the UFC. So Not a good look for him. I think he's going to go 0-4 and possibly get his walking papers after this fight. Valiev, on the other hand, it's not like he's had a great deal of success, obviously, either. I mean, some big moments throughout his career just haven't worked out for him, including that UFC debut where he looked phenomenal against Trevin Jones, and then Trevin Jones was able to catch it and just turn that complexion of that fight around in round two, which was phenomenal, because if you look at round one and the beating Valiev put on Jones, that was fun to watch, for sure. So credit Jones for coming back in and doing what he did there. But outside of that, I mean, Valiyev, his striking is there. I think he's going to be the better ever striker than Day. He's going to be a little bit faster. He's got the power to give Day problems on the feet. If anything, Day is hittable and he does get hurt, obviously. Um, we've seen that time and time again defensively on the feet. Valiyev is a better wrestler here. He's a better grappler here. So it's his fight to win. Or- or lose. I don't think he gets caught by Day. I mean, Day does have a puncher's chance in this fight. I think that's basically the only way he's going to win. I don't think he's going to win decision here, and I think there's a good chance he gets finished. So for me, it's Valiev. If you're looking to put throw somebody in a parlay, not nothing crazy, but Valiev is probably one of those guys for me this weekend. So the pick is Valiev. I think he does roll here.
0: Yeah. Basically, Day has a puncher's chance. He has power, but Day also is a vulnerable with his defense. He's a little chinny. Um, so I would think in this fight that Valiev is going to be the better striker here. He mixes it up better. His kicks can be brutal and Valiev is a decent grappler. So if for some reason Day is finding success on the feet, Valiev can take this to the floor. Uh, Day is a, a decently powerful, dangerous striker. So, um, Valiev has to be careful. I mean, we saw what happened in his debut when he was just in cruise control. Dominating the fight and then got caught. So, uh, Day is definitely has a puncher's chance, but, uh, he also is 0 and 3 in the UFC. So it really feels like he's being fed here to Valiev. Uh, you know, Valiev's a guy that I am still extremely high on. Um, he, he got caught. It happens, but I don't think he gets caught again. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes. And, uh, I think that he's going to, you know, work on that defense a little bit in the, in between training camps. So Valiev should, you know, roll here. I think he wins convincingly, probably by knockout. Now, again, sticking with the featherweight division, we have Yusef Zalal, who is 10 and three, taking on Sung Woo Choi, who is eight and three. Now, Nick, where did this fight
1: open and how has the public shifted things so far? law open 150 to come back on Choi, plus 130. 150 did not last. Right now we're looking over at Circus Sports and seeing Zalaw at minus 235 to come back on Choi at plus 200. So people pounced on that minus 150. Man, hats off to you guys because that was outstanding value. I think he does get it done this weekend. I mean, it's going to be a tough fight because Choi, I think, is a very talented fighter, especially on the feet. He brings it. He's strong. He's long, has some power, is one of these guys that's definitely improving, I mean, as far as his octagon career goes, and you know, before he came to the UFC, you saw some strides in his game as well. He's had some decent fights and decent performances outside of the UFC. He's 28 years old, so I think he's entering the prime kind of of his career right now. And he's coming off of a pretty solid win, so he's got some confidence to go along with it. So, But Zalaw, on the other hand, it is coming off of a loss. I mean, look, in that fight against Apura, that was, I, I mean, a phenomenal win uh for Tapura, I know it was just a tough loss I think for Zalao he just got beat by a very good fighter I don't think Choi is going to be that kind of fight to him I think Zalao here will be competitive if not better than Choi on the feet um he's going to be a little bit faster I think he could do some damage there then but the ground game is the deciding factor for me here I think Zalao is farther ahead on the ground he can submit Choi if he gets the opportunity here Choi might be able to survive but I mean the the submission ability for Zalao is definitely a head and shoulders above what we see from Choi at this point. I think the wrestling could be there for him as well. And I think on the striking, like I said, he's probably just going to be a step ahead. So Choi's going to be game. He's going to have his moments. He's a tough out. I mean, this is only a minus 200 line still, minus 235. So we're expecting a competitive fight for sure. I just think Zalal wins it. So for me, Zalal is another one of these guys that you might want to throw in a parlay. Um, right now, as the price goes up, it's kind of trickier to bet straight. I mean, if there's value, there's value, as we always say. So if you're going to bet him straight, there's value in a parlay, obviously, as well. But at minus 235, minus 250 if you haven't hopped on something under minus 200 it's a little bit harder to come in here and bet him at anything over 200 at this point but again I think if it's under minus 250 260 maybe throw him in a parlay a little bit of value left in Zalal I think he does get it done this weekend
0: yeah this really feels to me like a bounce back uh, opportunity for Zalal Choi is one and two in the UFC he is coming off of a decent performance against uh, Suman Maktarian but uh, you know that was basically a gimme fight for him in my opinion um and when he's faced respectable guys like Gavin Tucker and Mavzar Evloev he got convincingly beaten in both of those fights um with Zalal on the other hand he's had some really rock solid performances so far in the UFC uh he was 3 and 0 entering that fight against Ilya Tapuria lost to Competitive decision, but Tapuria was the better fighter, but I mean, is 10 and 0, that guy is legit. Uh, so I'm not gonna blame him for that loss. Uh, Zalal has shown a pretty good ground game, uh, el- the ability to keep it upright, and he is a very good striker, very technical. So I think as long as he keeps this upright, he should just outpoint Choi over the course of three rounds. I think he convincingly wins a decision if not scores uh, a knockout along the way, because he can mix it up with some nasty flying knees and things like that. So uh, I just don't think Choi is on that same level. Um Choi, uh, he does have some power, so, but Zalal's shown, uh you know, to be pretty durable so far. So I don't think Choi knocks him out. And that's really one of the only ways I can see him winning. So unless he clips him and Zalal gets knocked out for the first time in the UFC, uh, otherwise Zalal probably rolls to a decision. So Zalal will be my pick. Now dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Molly McCann, who is and 10-3, taking on Lara Procopio, who is
1: 6-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? McCann opened minus 400 to come back on Procopio, plus 300. Right now, looking over the line at Circus Sports, McCann is down to minus 150 the comeback on Procopio at plus 130. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is just obviously a glaring mistake. I mean, the line opened way too high for McCann. I don't care if McCann goes out there and wins this fight in one punch, which he's not going to, but the line should have never been minus 400. So not knocking anybody out there that opened this line is just obviously overpriced, and everybody took advantage of Procopio. This fight should be more realistically a pick type of fight, in my opinion, and there's still some value at Procopio around plus 130, plus 135 out there as well. I think McCann is one of these fighters that continues to get better. She's fun to watch, man. She breaks it every time she fights. Her stand-up is game. I mean, she hits hard. She loves to stand and bang. She's tough. She's mixing in some grappling now. It's getting better. Her wrestling and her jujitsu game is definitely improving a lot. So she's becoming quite a well-rounded fighter and a fun one to watch. So I, I understand it, but she should not have been 400 or anything close to that. So come is a little bit more appropriate. I think Procopio dropping down to this weight class. She had a very tough fight, obviously, against Rosa in her debut or whatnot in the UFC. Uh, but we saw a little bit what she can offer in that fight. But if you look beyond those in her earlier performances in Brazil or whatnot, I mean, you could see Procopio is a very well-rounded fighter in her own right. Uh, she's going to have a little bit of length over McCann. On the feet, it's going to be a, a, just a slugfest. Both of these later are going to stand and bang. I think they're going to both look to take it to the floor, though, at a certain point. And I think Procopio's ground game, her jiu-jitsu game, is a little bit better and farther advanced than McCann. But I think both can get top position. So this is going to come down to who's going to this fight or who possibly can get the finish on the ground if there's such a thing, because I think both of these ladies can kind of withstand each other on the feet. They're tough enough to last that. If, if it's going to be a finish in this fight, it's probably going to be by submission either way, but I think more so by uh, for Procopia um, than McCann. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting like that. If it does hit the scorecards, I think it's going to be a split decision, close fight, uh, a lot more that's going to be fun to watch. So with all that said, if you're going to have a competitive coin flip type of fight like that, I think you can only go one way. And it's Procopio for me. So I think there's a little bit of value there. should be a fun fight, and I'm picking Procopio to win.
0: Uh, I'm going to go in with Procopio as well. I just really like the activity and pace that she fights at. Now, Molly McCann has a path to victory here. If she can close since and kind of make this a phone booth fight, um, I think she does have some good striking technique, and she could potentially take over if it's close. Or she does mix in takedowns pretty well, so that has helped her with, uh, you know, get wins against people like Ariane Lipsky. So um if he gets in takedowns or get really close, McCann has a path to victory here. But Procopio is dropping down from the Bantamweight division, where she's coming off of a very competitive, exciting decision uh, against Carol Rosa. Um And, you know, so she's going to have some size, some strength. I think it will not be easy for McCann to get takedowns. And Procopio has, I think, a 5- or 6-inch reach advantage here. So if Procopio can kind of keep uh, track of distance properly, I think she can start unloading on McCann, who is, uh, I don't think, uh that sound defensively. And I think Procopio can just make up for some of the technique advantages that McCann might have, which is pure volume and aggression. So... Uh, and Procopio we've already seen can go the distance uh and keep that same pace going so uh, unless McCann can slow her down down by by closing that distance i think Procopio just overwhelms her with pure volume and aggression and uh probably does enough to win a decision here so Procopio is going to be my pick as well Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have the aforementioned Carol Rosa, who is 13-3, taking on Jocelyn Edwards, who is 10-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Rosa, minus 205, Edwards, plus 175. That was the opener, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 250 for Rosa Edwards at plus 215, so... More accurate, open for sure. I think it was fair, um, especially Edwards coming off that big win she just had not too long ago. I think a lot of people underestimated her. I mean, she made me some money, honestly, so I'm glad she, she came out with a hard-fought victory in a battle there. Uh, but this fight's a little bit different. I mean, Edwards is definitely improving, and she's getting better. I like what she shows on the feet. She has heart. She has that tenacity to come forward. And, and just go at you and throw. I mean, not the most technical time. She definitely has to improve that. And defensively, she has to improve a little bit as well. But she's in the fight. She comes to win. She has power. She's got like, that length that kind of works to her her advantage. And the leverage at times for those takedowns and for the, her ground game is always improving. And you have to respect it a little bit. So she's a game fighter. She's only going to get better. I just think she has her hands full here with Rosa. I think Rosa is going to be a little bit physically stronger. I think she's gonna be a better striker. I think she's smart enough to know that she doesn't want to play the ground game in this spot uh, with Edward. I mean even off her back I wouldn't be surprised if Rosa we've seen some takedowns now from Rosa which is impressive right and she just has that dominant top position that pound to pound Um, but I'm not so sure she's going to want to play that game with Edwards if so I still think she'll be okay I think she's smart enough to kind of avoid getting submitted if she has Edwards uh, on her back but um, overall I just think it's going to be Edwards just getting hit a lot more often on the feet and trying to look for takedowns and just you know not looking as good as she'd like to in the judge's eyes so I think we're going to see probably Rosa land enough punishment along the way. She's going to absorb some as well. I mean, she gets marked up. So I think Edwards is going to definitely have her moments in this fight. And if she can get this to the floor and not grapple Rosa, that's her path of victory. But I just think this is definitely a tougher fight for her. And I like what I see in Rosa. So for me, I'm staying away from it from a betting standpoint. I think the value on Rosa is gone. Um, it's probably a dog or pet situation at this point. But I do think Rosa wins. So I'm going to stay away from it and pick Rosa to win this fight.
0: And I'm going to go Rosa as well. I think this is a pretty straightforward fight. Uh, Rosa has a big edge on the feet. Uh, she is a solid technical striker with a he- strong pace. And Edwards, uh, if she's going to win, she needs to take e- out of her element. Um, Edwards does have a decent ground game. You saw in her debut against uh, Yan and Wu on short notice. She was able to get the fight to the floor and uh, take Wu out of her element a little bit. Um, so... If Edwards is able to get takedowns against Rosa, she can win. Um, but she has to not just get takedowns, but keep her down. And she has to do it for at least two out of the three rounds. Because on the feet, uh Rosa should have a big edge. Uh Rosa is an exciting fighter. I mean, she pushes a strong pace. She has power. And she also does have a little bit of a ground game as well. So uh, I think Rosa... Uh, convincingly wins a decision here. I think, uh, she's just going to be too much for Edwards on feet. And while, uh, it was a really nice debut for Edwards, I think she's biting off too, way more than she can chew here. So my pick is going to be Rosa. Now moving up to a 160 pound catch weight, we have Justin James, who is 16 and six, taking on Devontae Smith, who is 10 and two. Now Nick. What's the MMA Oddsmakers' perspective on this one?
1: What a crazy fight this is going to be. The opening betting lines, Smith minus 345, Jaynes plus 260. Jaynes getting respect right now. The betting line at Circus Sports minus 285 for Smith to come back on Jaynes down to plus 240. Rightfully so, man. i I tell you what. Jaynes can bang. I mean, you can say what you want about him, but this guy is a slugger on the feet. Very dangerous. If he lands on you, you're in some serious trouble. So... Now, uh, defensively, stamina, I mean, kind of sloppy aggression at times, that could lead to some problems. We've seen that time and time again. Devontae Smith, explosive, accurate, one of the heaviest hitters we've seen in this weight class for sure. I mean, this is a catchaway fight, by the way, but I'm saying, I mean, Devontae Smith is just a a heavy hitter, and I think he obviously can lean on James. This is one of those fights that it's not going to hit the scorecards. Somebody's getting knocked out. It's going to be a brutal finish. I do think more than likely it's going to be Smith. But are you willing to lay almost 300 to find out? I say stay away from it, man. There's no way you could do that. Um, Fight doesn't go the distance. Knockout props. If you're going to bet this fight, that's probably going to be the way to go uh, because this fight is not hitting the scorecards. I mean, there's just too much firepower, and I don't think there's enough durability on the other side to handle it. But I do think it should be Devontae Smith coming ahead of this and coming out a win. Uh, coming out with a win, excuse me, in a spot here against Jane. So I got a lot of respect for jane's though, man. He's not an easy out. So we'll see how this one plays out. But my pick is Smith,
0: and I'm going to go Smith as well. But I'll just agree with what Nick has said. Both of these guys are monstrously heavy hitters. Both are capable of knocking their opponent out in 30 seconds or less. Um, both have done it already. So. Uh it's boiled down to who lands that big shot first. And both guys have been knocked out as well. I mean, we just saw Devontae Smith get knocked out by Kama Worthy, not recently, but it was, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, back in 2019 at UFC 241. And James is coming off of back-to-back losses, including getting outstruck and eventually finished with a knee to the body just this past December. So very quick turnaround for James. Um with Smith, uh it's you know, been a little bit, he was supposed to fight, uh, Alex Da Silva here. And, uh, now you've got, uh, James stepping in. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how James performs on short notice, but it's really just going to boil down to who lands that first big shot. And I think it's going to be Smith. I think, uh, you know, he's got a little bit better striking technique, but again, both of these guys are heavy hitters that re- normally finish the fight in the first round. So, uh, I think they both can slow down as well, so uh I'm gonna go with Smith, but it's really anybody's game in this one. It's just who lands that first big shot. So uh James absolutely can win this fight. Now moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Mike Rodriguez, who is eleven and five, taking on Danilo Marquez, who is ten and two. Now Nick. Where did this fight open? And how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Rodriguez open 240, the comeback on Marquez at plus 205. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, minus 220 for Rodriguez, the comeback on Marquez at plus 190. So another fight that's staying fairly steady, close to the opener, solid opening price here for sure. Difficult fight to line, difficult fight to bet. Are you kidding me with these guys? I mean, Rodriguez should be so much better than he is. I mean, how devastating was his last fight? I mean, just really cruising on his way to win and then getting submitted in the third round against Ed Herman. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about Rodriguez. I mean, unfortunately, not knocking the guy, but Jesus, man, you should not lose a fight like that. So he has that kind of letdown in him. Offensively, he's fun to watch. He could definitely do some damage and he could bust up Marquez and probably knock him out on the feet. But if this fight hits the floor, he could be some serious trouble, obviously. Marquez underrated across the board. He comes to fight for sure. I think he's going to get out here though, on the feet. And if he can't get this fight to the ground, it's not going to bode too well for him. I'm staying away from this fight. I want nothing to do with this fight. Uh, my pick is going to be Rodriguez. I mean, it's a dog or pass situation, though, as crazy as that sounds. But I just don't want anything to do with this. fight. His pick is Rodriguez. We'll see how this one plays out.
0: Yeah, Rodriguez is definitely the better, more dangerous striker here. Uh, he's got a ton of power, a good reach. So as long as this stays standing, Rodriguez probably not just going to win, but win by knockout. That being said, uh, Marquez does have a good ground game. And if we've ever seen Rodriguez lose or put himself in a bad situation other than, you know, the, the jung loss, um, it's because of grappling. Um, it happened against Devin Clark. He got out wrestled. Um And then most recently he had Ed Herman in major trouble and then Herman was able to get a Kimura with a minute to go in the fight and win and win by submission. So if Marquez can drag this to the floor and make something happen with his ground game, he absolutely can win this fight. But uh Rodriguez, I think should be able to knock him out before he does that. So, you know, I just don't see Marquez hanging with Rodriguez on the feet. I don't see him easily being able to get this to the floor. But again, uh if he does, Rodriguez is vulnerable there. So um there is absolutely a path to victory for Marquez, but I'm going to go with uh, Rodriguez by knockout. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have a rematch here between Diego Ferreira, who is 17 and 17-2. And he's taking on Benil Dariush, who is 19-4-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmakers' perspective on this one?
1: Opening line, Fahed at minus 125, the comeback on Dariush, plus 105. Now, looking over at Circus Sports, currently, we have Fahed at minus 115, the comeback on Dariush at minus 105. So a little bit more action coming in Dariush's way. Listen, I understand it. I mean, the guy has a win over Fajada a few years back. I mean, you almost kind of have to throw that out the window, but you don't because I think the path to victory is pretty clear in how Darius won that fight. And he was getting top position and controlling Fajada throughout to kind of grind out a decision win over him. I think things have changed a little bit. I mean, both these guys are on remarkable streaks. I mean, what's not to love about this fight? It has fight of the night written all over. I mean, both these guys are elite, high-level Guys in the lightweight division, that next step for these guys is obviously in the title mix. I mean, they're really close to a title shot, and then the win here is obviously going to propel them into that spot. I think we've seen improvements from both guys. I mean, the streak that Darius is on is phenomenal. I mean, I think he's fallen in love with the striking a little bit, which is not a bad thing because on the feet, this guy is dangerous. I mean, his boxing, his hands have power. Look at that spinning backfist he landed on ultimate, for crying out loud! But not just that. I mean, his kicking game we've seen time and time again do some damage. So this guy is a threat on the feet, but. Better than that, I mean, on the ground, his wrestling, his takedown ability, his jujitsu game is phenomenal as well. So this guy has championship skill set for sure, At those attributes you'd love to see in a fighter. He has him. It's just his durability and his conditioning and his kind of roller coaster career up and down times where you expect him to do well. And then he'll have those moments where he does have a split decision or a majority decision, I'm sorry, against an Evan Dunham, or he does get that knockout loss against Hernandez. So there's just moments in time in Darius's game that you're thinking, man, you're better than that. You should be kind of taking those those losses. But I mean, they happen. So I think this is a spot that Fajera's kind of coming into this fight, looking for redemption. He understands what he has to face here. He understands that he has to stuff those takedowns better than he did the first fight. And I think he has improved that takedown defense a little bit. I mean, the likes of Hobelov, Tysimov, some of these guys he's been in there with, I mean, it's, they've challenged him for sure. he's been able to kind of weather that storm and overcome some tough spots. And against very solid competition. I mean, that finish over Pettis in his last fight was phenomenal. And again, I mean, coming off of wins over the likes of Tysimov and Hobolov I mean, those are three impressive wins for him. And he's got, you know, I, I believe a six-fight win streak coming in here. So he's improving all the time. I think he has the ability to come in here and probably finish Darius or beat him on the scorecards if needed as well. So I like the head in the spot. I mean, for me, I'm going to pick him. And I think at minus 115, there might be a little bit of value. It's going to be a close fight. You can't go crazy on it. But I think people are kind of looking the wrong way here because they think Darius is going to kind of replicate the first fight. I think they're two completely... Similar, but different fighters, if that makes sense. I think they've improved so much in different ways, and I think we're going to see this play a little bit different than the first fight. So I like Fajetta here, and I think he's going to get the W.
0: And I completely understand the play. Um, Ferreira is fighting at an absolute elite level right now. I mean, and he has picked up quality win after quality win after quality win in his recent run where he has won uh I think six fights in a row inside the octagon. Uh, most recently I would say uh the big wins Habalov, Tysimov, and Pettis, I mean, just really, really impressive. Uh the Pettis in particular, I mean, he just dominated him. Um uh, But that being said, Dariush, you know, did beat him the first time. Uh Dariush outgrabbed him the first time, which is how Ferreira has been winning most of these fights. So is Ferreira gonna be able to outgrapple uh Darius in the rematch. I mean, Ferreira is 36 years old. Um Darius is still just 31. I would say that uh Darius the main thing I'm concerned about in this fight is that Darius conditioning is just not at that same level. He does slow down in fights. He's a very strong starter and he's a very dangerous striker and also a lethal grappler, but he does slow down and he does have some durability concerns. Now, Ferrera on the other hand, um, he also does have, you know, he's not, doesn't have durability concerns, but he did get knocked out by Dustin Poirier back in 2015. And you got to remember, it has been six years, over six years since these guys fought. So a lot has changed. Um, Darius had that really tough stretch there when he was struggling uh, before he's turned around with his current five-fight winning streak. But that five-fight winning streak's looking pretty good as well. I mean, quality wins, as Nick said, over Dracar Close and Drew Dober. Um so, you know, I'm really, really interested in this fight, but in terms of pure skill, you still have to side with Darius. I mean, he is definitely the better striker here. He mixes it up better. His kicking game's better. Uh, I think he's the better boxer as well, and he's got more power. Um, and I think he still is the better grappler with better wrestling. It just boils down to, will he tire? Will he fade? Because I fully expect Darius to have the potential to finish this with strikes with, by knocking, uh, Ferreira out. He could win this fight with takedowns, just like the last time, uh, just maintaining top position and still while Ferreira is trying to squirming to get out of there, uh, from bottom. And, uh if Ferrera's going to win, it's going to be a comeback where he loses the first round, Darius gets slowed, and uh Ferreira knocks him out or perhaps turns the tide and out grapples. And we've seen that before too, where uh, Darius started strong against a good grappler like uh, Michael Chiesa and then ended up getting choked out when he slowed down. So it totally could happen, uh, but I'm still going to go with uh, Darius. I just think that, he the, he has too much superior technique on the on the feet and on the ground to uh, for that to happen but if if it does happen it's going to be in the second or third round as uh ferreira you know picks up the pace and outworks him so my pick will still be Darius, though now moving up to the featherweight division we have cody stamen who is 19 3 and 1 Taking on UFC debuter Ascar Askar, who is eleven and one.
1: Now, Nick, what's the? Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things? So, far? Stamen open minus three sixty five to come back in Ascar plus two seventy five. And right now, Circus Sports, we are seeing Stamen minus four forty to come back in Askar, plus plus three fifty five. So, Stamen not getting enough respect early on, and the betting public overall let the sports books know. Coming in, pouncing on that line. Look, Askar is not a bad fighter. So, I mean, sitting where he's at right now at plus 355, I mean, that seems disrespectful. And that line is probably a tad bit high because this guy is definitely a finisher on the feet. He's got overall, he's got pretty decent takedown defense and he continues to improve that part of his game. I mean, he's more known for his striking. Um, and this guy is, like I said, a very high level finishing type of outpointing you on the feet, striking base fighter that could give Stamen a lot of problems if this is going to be a, a stand-up type of fight, but it's not going to be that type of fight. I think Stamen is very smart. Obviously, Stamen on the feet even has some power. He's got a lot of good to offer. I mean, he's not a fish out of water for sure, but his wrestling and his grappling is the advantage here over Askar, and he's going to look to take this fight to the floor and control him, and it's a very tough debut to make, especially coming in on short notice against somebody like Stamen here. So, I think askar's game, and I think outside of this, after this fight, he probably will step in and win some fights in the UFC. He definitely belongs on this roster. I mean, like you, I, just check out his last win over Worth in LFA. I mean, a very solid fight uh, over a very solid competitor in Worth. And I mean, you could just see what this guy's made of a little bit. So I, I think there's, there's uh, the ceiling's high for Askar but stylistically, this is just not the right fight for him. So I'm going to pick stamen at the betting line though in the betting window you got to stay away from it i don't think you could bet this fight at this point so my pick is stamen though
0: yeah i know you know congratulations to Askar on getting the opportunity to make his uh, debut here uh he's stepping in on short notice for uh ewell who uh you know dropped out of the fight at the last minute um and you know Askar's good you know he's had some experience in uh uh, legacy fighting championship. He's gone 2-0 so far. Um, but this is just a huge, huge, uh, step up in competition. I mean, he's only one fight removed from getting knocked out in 40 seconds at a HFC 42, uh, a year ago and. Now he's getting this tremendous opportunity and, and maybe he takes advantage of it, but I think far more likely that Stamen just drags him to the floor and out wrestles him over the course of three rounds, if not finds a finish on the ground at some point. Uh, Stamen is just a tenacious wrestler and I just do not see Ascar being able to, you know, stand up to that. Um, Asgar does have some power on the feet and he does have some, a little bit of ability on the ground, but uh, this is just such a massive uh, strength of competition increase for him that I would be completely blown away if he pulls this off. So my pick is going to be Stamen. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have uh, Alexander Pantoja, who is 22 and 22-5, taking on Manel Cape, who is 15 and
1: 15-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Patoja minus 130, Cape plus 110, that was the opening line. Right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Patoja minus 120, Cape even money. Man, am I pumped for this fight. This is going to be such a great fight. There's going to be fireworks from the rip with this one. Patoja loves to stand and bang. He is definitely the more well-rounded fighter here, though. He's got a grappling advantage. He's got... The takedown game and ability to probably get this fight to the floor, and once he does, I think Cape could be in some serious trouble. Cape is improving that aspect of his game. He knows he has to do that. He's faced a lot of really good grapplers in the past, had some problems with them, but also has managed to show some glimpses of improvement along the way and getting better and and realizing that he needs to do that. I think in this spot here with Pantoja's ability to kind of stand and bang and get in brawls, this is a really good fight for Cape to come in here and pull off the upset wins. It just has that feel for me. I mean, I know Pantoja, again, he's got that elite ground game and he's definitely capable of, of taking this fight to the floor possibly submitting cape once it's there i just think cape is going to find a way to get off his back if it's, that's a position not get submitted and then on the feet cape is just a beast man this guy has tremendous power he's fought a lot of solid competition outside of the ufc i mean look at the fights he's had in japan again if you do you're going to see some moments again that he struggled on the ground but that being said look at his last three wins i mean this guy is definitely at an all-time high as far as confidence level and improving constantly he's ready for this i think he's a great addition to the flyweight division and with the win over here uh, over a guy like patoja it's going to really say a lot about the improvement in his game and where he is in the flyweight division right now so this guy's going to have some exciting fights hats off to the ufc for bringing him on the roster i mean this is going to be so awesome again Can he go out there and lose? Probably and probably by submission or on the ground if so. But I don't think he's going to do it, man. I think he's going to be able to keep this fight upright enough and do enough damage to win this fight. So for me, I think it's a dog or pass situation. I'm actually going to pick Cape to come into the UFC and pull off a tremendous victory in his debut.
0: And I can totally understand uh, Cape getting the win here. I mean, this guy is a really dangerous striker. A lot of power, especially for his division. I mean, he's coming off of three consecutive second round TKOs uh, in the Ryzen promotion, um, and he's got experience against some UFC quality uh, opponents. I mean, the he he defeated uh, Ian McCall uh, with a knee to the face. Um, he faced uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. He did end up losing that one. Um, he faced Oka Sasaki, lost a decision there, and then most recently he beat uh Takaya Mitsugaki, uh, you know, a talented UFC bantamweight weight that was there in the UFC and WEC for quite a while. So um, he has quite a few fights now, uh against UFC uh veterans. And um he's held his own. I mean he's mixing uh, mixed and matched a, a couple wins with a couple losses. So basically if this stays standing Pantoja could be in trouble. Um, you know, Pantoja has made some strides with his stand-up. Um, most recently, uh, his best performance was the the knockout against Schnell. Um, but uh, he also can get outstruck. I mean, that's not his st- big strong suit. I mean, Pantoja is very good if he can get this to the floor. Uh, he has a very dangerous ground game. He finished Sasaki on the ground with a rear naked choke. Um, he also can uh, really hurt you with a ground impound. So he's a very dangerous ground fighter with developing stand-up and some good power. But uh, I think in a pure stand-up fight, Cape wins. So if I'm Pantoja, you stand up long enough to find an opportunity to get this to the floor. Now, Pantoja does have a good chin. You know, all of his losses have been by decision. So um, I would think he can hold his own and uh, not get finished quickly against Cape but uh he does need to close the distance here and get this to the floor. Uh, uh He doesn't have the greatest wrestling, but he should also uh be able to to do something if he can uh get a hold of Cape. So I'm going to go with Pantoja. I think he's more well-rounded here and he does utilize the ground game. But again, if Cape fends off takedowns and forces Pantoja to fight his fight, I think Nick might be uh right on the money here about an opportunity for Cape to pull off a big upset. So I'm picking Pantoja, but I'm definitely concerned about what happens if he does not get takedowns. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Michael Johnson, who is 19 and 16, taking on Clay Guida, who is 35 and
1: 20. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how is the public thing so far? Johnson minus 350, Guida plus 285. That was the opening line. Right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Johnson minus 215 the comeback on Guida plus 185. So Another spot where Asik Guida got that respect. I mean, he deserves it. Look how long this guy's been in the UFC and and the high level that he's competed at. I mean, at one time, let's not forget, Clay Guida was a contender in the lightweight division, fought the best of the best and was hanging in there with him. I mean, this guy's just a warrior. One of my favorite all-time in the UFC because of his longevity, the work that he's put in, the tenacity that he brings, the entertainment, everything about Clay Guida, always going to be underrated, I think, personally, especially as a UFC lightweight. That said – Dangerous fight for him here against Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson stylistically should be able to up on the feet here. I mean, the problem with Michael Johnson is time and time again, we see him let us down, meaning that he'll be rolling through a fight and then all of a sudden he gets caught with something. The fight goes to the floor, he gets submitted. He just kind of has that letdown in him in spots that you just don't like to see. And as these guys progress their careers, we're seeing more and more of that kind of come out. So I like Johnson here. I think he should, like I said, honestly, at this point of his career, he should be able to sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright, and light Guida up and probably finish Guida. But the dangerous part about this fight, Guida, the tenacity, the toughness that he brings, I mean, he's going to look for those takedowns. He's going to be constantly trying to grind Johnson out. Johnson might slow down, might get on the ground, and Guida does have the submission ability and the grappling advantage over Johnson, if that's the case. So Johnson's the type of fighter where he's winning until he's not, and that's that's what I'm afraid of here in this spot at the betting window. So for me, I'm going to pick Johnson. I'm tempted to bet him here, but I just can't do it. So I'm just going to pick him and stay away from it. My pick is Michael Johnson to win. Yeah, Johnson is probably the most
0: unreliable or reliably unreliable fighter that exists. I mean, this guy, as Nick said, wins until he loses. It happens consistently. Um, I mean, I can't even tell how many times he has. Has started strong against a fighter, only to completely blow it as the fight wears on. It's happened uh in his fight against Hazem Madadi way back in 2013. It happened against uh Justin Gaethje when he had Gaethje hurt early. It happened against Darren Elkins, his next fight. It happened uh, against Josh Emmett. He was um, 45 seconds away from winning a decision and gets knocked out. Uh, he got crushed in the late against CD Ray ends up losing a decision. And then most recently he was rolling against Tiago Moises. And then Moises just pulls guard, grabs a leg and finishes him with a, an ankle lock. I mean, this guy just can get out of his own way. He has all the talent in the world. Uh, he has a massive left hand, good speed on the feet, great boxing technique. We've seen him pick up huge wins in his career. I mean Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, Edson Barboza. I mean you name it. He has faced some of the best of the best. Um you should you could argue that he should have won uh the Nate Diaz fighter or, or Benil Dariush. Uh I mean this guy is really, really good. But again, he just cannot get out of his own way. So uh, I'm really nervous about it. I'm picking him to beat Clay Guida. Uh Guida just does not have that same level of technique in any facet. The only thing Guida's got on him is that Guida does not slow down and does not give up over the course of three rounds. He does not leave those uh huge openings to get uh those big letdown moments as the fight wears on. So I could totally see... Michael Johnson winning this fight for four minutes and 50 seconds. Guida knocks him out or something. It could totally happen. Uh, Johnson also is vulnerable if Guida gets a takedown. Maybe Guida gets like an arm triangle choke or something. But uh, that being said, Johnson should win this fight. Now, will he? I don't know. But I mean, the skill disparity is massive here. Guida just is not that great of a striker. Um, so Johnson should be lighting him up and should... Either win a decision or by knockout, but you know what? It's just so hard to trust this guy. So I'm picking him, but zero confidence in him. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the bantamweight division, we have Corey Sandhagen, who is 13 and two, taking on Frankie Edgar, who is 24, eight and one. Now, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one?
1: Sanhagen opened minus 300 to come back on Edgar, plus 250. And right now over at Circus Sports, Sanhagen minus 390 to come back on Edgar, plus 320. So Sanhagen got that up over the legend of Frankie Edgar, man. And and this guy is, again, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite fighters. How could you not put Frankie Edgar in that conversation if you're a true UFC fan for a long time? I mean, this guy, historically, obviously a UFC Hall of Famer. I mean, just a legendary fighter. One of the best pound-for-pound mixed martial artists I've ever seen in my life. This guy's durability overall, the warrior spirit that he has combined with his technical skill set, he's got great boxing, great accuracy, great speed, great wrestling, great jiu-jitsu. I mean he's a pro MMA fighter. This is what you want a fighter to be is Frankie Edgar. The problem is father time catches up to all of us. He is not in the prime of his career even though he still has some solid performances. That fight against Munoz in his last fight, I thought he lost the fight. It was competitive enough though for the judges to kind of get it wrong or whatnot. So you got to take your head off to Edgar still competing at that high level. But Sanhagen's a different type of fight for him here. I mean, if he's not able to use that wrestling, that grappling, he's going to get beat up. He's going to get ate up on the feet. Sanhagen's is a different beast. The problem here is even though he might be able to get Sanhagen down, Sanhagen is a fighter that d- will not settle to be held or to be controlled on the ground. He will always try to scramble and get out of the position immediately. A lot of people are going to look to that fight he just had with Aljo um, not too long ago and say, look how easy it was for Aljo to get his back. That's a different type of grappler, though, in my opinion, um, than Edgar is. Edgar has great jujitsu, but I think Aljo is more prone to hopping on submission really quick than Edgar. Edgar's more prone to land some ground to pound, look for that position. And I think Sanhagen, meanwhile, will get out of that position to probably get the feet get back up to his feet and his feet like I said I think stylistically it's just a nightmare matchup for Edgar Sanhagen's is going to land land often and probably finish Edgar along the way if not it's going to be an obvious clear winner who the fight or who won the fight when it hits the scorecards there's going to be a clear winner for sure in this spot so I mean unless Edgar can again throw back into that wrestling and just dominate control most of this fight I think he probably gets finished and I like Sanhagen here you cannot bet him though minus 390 I mean there's no value there I think the opening price of Minus 300 had a little bit of value, as crazy as it seems, but now when it's closer to 400, the value's out the window. You cannot take a shot against Frankie Edgar laying minus 400 in this spot, so it's just not smart. Um, That said, I do think Sanhagen wins, and he's going to get the best win of his career right here. So the pick is Sanhagen, and hopefully it's a good fight. I mean,
0: in terms of name value, uh, it would be the best win of Sanhagen's career, but I think Sanhagen picked up the best win of his career in his last fight. Uh, Just a great performance against Marlon Marais. Um, I mean, Moraes was a guy that's right at the top of the division. I thought Marais, uh was still fighting at a really high level, and he just steamrolled him um, after a mildly competitive first round, just wheel kicked him in the second round and took him out. So great, great performance by Sanhagen there. Uh, you know, this guy has really good striking. He's long for the division. His kicking game, is improving. Um, and he's good on the ground. Um I mean, the only time that he's struggled so far in the UFC was when he took on an elite ground fighter in Aljamain Sterling, who, uh you know, kind of steamrolled him a little bit. But uh, that's not the type of uh, ground game that Frankie Edgar possesses. Now, Edgar does have some wrestling, and he has utilized it to great effect, uh, most notably when he dominated the uh, Yair Rodriguez fight at, in featherweight. So if Edgar's going to win this fight, it's not going to be the stand up. It's got to be with his ground game, with his wrestling. Um, will he be able to do it? No, no. I mean, Edgar has not been nearly as effective with his wrestling in recent fights. He's been uh, reliant a lot more on his striking. So if he's forced to stand and trade with... uh with Sanhagen, I think it's trouble for him. I mean, we've seen him now knocked out against Ortega, knocked out against the Korean Zombie. We've seen him get outstruck by Max Holloway. So that's three of his last five fights he's been outstruck on the feet. And the Pedro Munoz, he barely won. I mean, you could argue that Munoz won it. Um, now, it was a good performance for Edgar, but still, uh, I think that Sanhagen is on another level in terms of striking compared to Munoz. So, tries that same strategy this time around, I don't think it's gonna work out. So for Edgar to win, he's gotta take Sanhagen out of his comfort zone. He needs to close the distance, uh, clinch, get takedowns, put Sanhagen on his back. But I think that's easier said than done. Um Edgar did prove that he's still got some, uh, gas left in the tank, but he is still 39 years old fighting against one of the best Bantamweights in the world here. So I feel like that it's more of a changing of the guard type of fight here. So uh, Edgar perhaps is adding a little bit of longevity to his career, dropping down a weight class as a former lightweight champion, now fighting at Bantamweight. But I think Sandhagen just has too much power. He's too long. He's got uh, too much uh, of... Like with Edgar being more of a boxer, the fact that Sanhagen can pull off these crazy wheel kicks, I think it's just going to be too much. So unless Edgar gets the wrestling going, I think Sanhagen rules. So my pick is going to be Sanhagen. Now moving up to the heavyweight division for the main event, we have Alistair Overeem, who is 47 and 18, taking on Alexander Volkov, who is 32 and eight. Now Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Overeem opened minus 125, the comeback on Volkov, plus 105. That was the market opener. Right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Volkov minus 195, the comeback on Overeem, plus 170. Line flipped appropriately so, and right now it's sitting at a good spot. I think it's more accurate where it's sitting right now. Tough to bet Volkov at minus 195-ish, almost 200, but not tough to bet, plus 105. So all of you guys that grabbed the plus money on up, to this point, congrats. I think you made a great bet, win or lose. I mean, the value was definitely there. Volkov stylistically should be able to win this fight. I think he's the better striker at this point of of their careers. I think the improvement that I've seen in Volkov's game has been phenomenal. I mean, the durability overall, again, I understand you got to take that Derek Lewis fight out of the equation, but somewhat, you got to somewhat take it out of the equation. I mean, it happened um, and there's that threat for sure, especially with Overeem has a ton of power as well. Uh, Volkov is a very tall, obviously long fighter, and sometimes tall man's defense does come into play, and he's hittable. But that being said, for the most part, his footwork, his movement, his defense is pretty solid. I think his offense is going to be able to pick and land on Overeem often on the feet. Overeem's going to have to to get some takedowns here. Obviously, Hath, he's been doing that more often. And if he can mix takedowns in here and utilize some ground-to-pound or whatnot and, and maybe try to hang in there and make this a grueling type of long fight or possibly clip Volkov, obviously, along the way, he could win this fight. But I'm not seeing that happen here. I think Volkov will get up if he does get taken down. I think he will make this a miserable, tough fight for Overeem. I think he's going to be able to kind of drain Overeem along the way and eventually finish him. So I think Volkov is just simply the better fighter right now. I mean, I've been nothing but impressed, like I said, from his time at Belichick C He's made some big strides in his career and it's a lot of hard work that he's put in so hats off to him this should be a great fight Overeem has had a resurgence somewhat of his career as well he's looking to get back in that title mix so very important fight again for both these guys they could get there in that mix with the win over each other in this spot so very important fight for the heavyweight division I just see Volkov getting the W here and probably finishing over him along the way. So my pick is Volkov. And again, the price of minus 195, I mean, again, I think most of us miss the boat. If you're going to look to lay it right now, I do think wins though. So I mean, I'm going to pick him. But again, I mean, betting value is betting value and price is king, as we always say. And I just think at this point, you probably have to stay away. As hard as it is for me to say, I don't think there's a lot of value left at minus 195. But my pick is Volkov.
0: And I'm going to come in on Volkov as well. Uh, I think he's fighting at a very high level. Um, his boxing is on point. He's tall. He's long. I think he's going to be able to fluster Overeem, who has relied a lot more on um, using some of his grappling, trying to slow the fight down a little bit. Um, you saw, I mean, his last two wins, uh, honestly, his last uh, three wins uh, against Olenek, Harris, uh Pavlovich even, and Sakai have all been with ground and pound. So even though this guy was a former K-1 championship level striker, um, he is utilizing the ground more and more and more when he fights um, against Sakai. Uh, he just kept taking him down, wore him down, and ended up getting a fifth round finish. Uh, with Harris, he was in big trouble early getting hurt Uh, but then survived and then got Harris down and finished him. So um, I think what happens here is he's going to be trying to utilize that same game plan because uh, on the feet, while he does still have power and he is a capable striker as evidenced by, you know, he was winning the fight against Rosenzweig up until getting finished right at the end of the fifth round. Um, But, uh, so he is still a capable striker, but I just think that Volkov is fighting uh, at a higher level on the feet right now. I think Volkov will outpoint him, utilizing his length with his uh reach, and uh Volkov's boxing is just really good, Um and Overeem is uh, concerned about protecting his chin. I mean, he has had consistent durability issues throughout his career, um, and while Volkov can get knocked out as well, as we saw in uh, his loss to Derek Lewis, I think Volkov... He does have, um, better durability in this fight. So for over him to win, I think the most likely outcome would be for him to drag this to the floor and get to work from top position, um, because that's kind of been Hitley. But, uh, we saw, I mean, Volkov, he lost to Curtis Blades, but he really made Blades work and Blades is the best wrestler in, uh, the heavyweight division by a landslide at this. So, uh, the fact that, he fended off quite a few of blades' takedowns especially as that fight wore on make me think that if Overeem's going to win he's going to have to get Volkov down keep him down and probably try to take him out quickly because uh Volkov was right there with Blades in the 5th round and uh Overeem's not going to be able to just wear him down like he did to Sakai so I think Volkov outpoints Overeem on the feet, lands some big shots at some point, and probably finishes them along the way. And maybe Overeem gets a takedown or two, but I just don't think he can keep Volkov down because uh, even though Overeem does have a good ground game and good ground and pound, uh, if Volkov wasn't finished by blades with uh, the wrestling and ground and pound, I don't think Overeem's going to do it. So uh, Volkov's going to be my pick. I think that he either wins a decision or a knockout. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 18. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We also have a free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Uh, remember, check out MMA OddsBreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.